Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. Many years ago now, I was uh, a student at a large Jesuit university and coming up against a lot of problems there with regard to the Catholic identity. And as a journalism student, I was editor of the student newspaper and started writing about these things. And one of the constant refrains that I would get back from those who did not agree with me was, we do not want to be a Steubenville. And I had no idea what a Steubenville was at the time. So that was my first introduction to Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, but soon after my real introduction to, to what is Steubenville, what is Franciscan University, was in meeting the graduates. And, and I have to tell you that, that, you're, that the graduates of Franciscan University are, are the greatest selling point for this institution. Uh, meeting these young people who one after the other were uh, vibrantly uh, faithful and full of life and joyful and uh, you know, just really had an understanding of the faith as something that, that uh, not just internalizing it in terms of a set of rules, but internalizing it as, a, as a, uh, an openness to life and as a freedom, not, a, not, a, uh, not chains as so many people today see it. So anyhow, I, I'm very happy to be here today at uh, Franciscan University uh, and very uh, uh, proud of, of what, what you have, have done here. Um, the Cardinal Newman Society, we've uh, been around now 22 years um, and, and trying to promote this renewal of Catholic higher education initially. Now we work with all levels of Catholic education. Um, and it, it initially the idea was let's expose a lot of these concerns in Catholic higher education at the time and it will be dealt with because there are families, there are bishops, there are educators who know certainly that this is not what Catholic education should be and this will get fixed. It's just simply a matter of addressing the problem. That didn't happen. Uh, it's happened in some cases. Um, and, and we realized very quickly that there's something deeper going on here. And more and more I've come to realize that, that the real problem that we're facing is that many Catholics, and I'm not just talking about the Catholics in the pews, but I'm talking about uh, our clergy and our bishops, very often do not have a full appreciation of Catholic education as what it could be. Uh, and part of that is because we've not had many of, of, of my generation and, and younger have not had that experience of what Catholic education can be. And so one of the things we try to do with the Cardinal Newman Society is to bring the story of what places like Franciscan University of Steubenville are doing to others to help them understand that and to model themselves, model their actions after this, uh, but also to, to constantly talk about what is Catholic education, what are the fruits of Catholic education, and what a wonderful, wonderful thing it is. It's not simply a safe place to send your child to, to you know, remove them from the dangers of our culture, which it is that, of course, but so much, so much more. Um, 
I want to propose something today that may seem obvious, may not, but I think it's a vital uh, proposition that the church needs to embrace today, and that is this. Faithful Catholic education is a vital solution to the challenges that secularism poses to Christianity, including the growing threats to religious freedom in the United States. So the proposal is that Catholic education is not only a solution, but is a vital solution to the problems that we are facing today with regard to same-sex marriage, with regard to abortion, with regard to a whole host of issues that flow from the secularism that has, has, uh, um, has uh, become so prevalent in the United States. It may seem an odd position that Catholic education is proposed as a solution uh, to threats to religious freedom when it is most certainly a victim of those violations. In an increasingly secular society, actors in all levels of government are attempting or threatening to abuse their powers and violate religious freedom in a manner that could damage, cripple, and ultimately bar Catholic education, including Catholic homeschools, schools, colleges, and universities. Especially with regard to sexuality and gender, marriage, the sacredness of human life, and human dignity, a growing divide between Catholic teaching and social mores has motivated public policymakers and the courts to show increasing insensitivity, and even hostility to the demands of the Catholic faith upon believers and the fidelity that is necessary to Catholic apostolates and ministries. So Catholic education, especially where it is most committed to its mission and to the faith, is a victim of real and threatened violations of religious freedom. Not only do these violations conflict with the school or college's institutional commitment to a Catholic identity, but they also interfere with the ability of Catholic educators to teach and to witness to the faith. Moreover, not only is Catholic education a victim of the growing threats to religious freedom, but where our Catholic institutions are marked by infidelity and indifference to their mission, Catholic education is also a contributing cause of the crisis. The abuses of religious freedom and secularism generally are rooted in ignorance, misunderstanding, and often hostility to the truth about man and God. This secular confusion both feeds and is fed by the scandal of Christian infidelity. Many Catholics, together with many other Americans, are experiencing what Pope Benedict described as a contemporary crisis of truth that is rooted in a crisis of faith. Weakened Catholic identity and dissent within our very own Catholic institutions, particularly many colleges and universities, present one accepted, sow greater confusion within the church and the society. They also invite further encroachment upon the freedoms of religious institutions because infidelity feeds suspicion among non-Catholics of the church's sincerity when it seeks legal exemption from policies and regulations that would force practices that violate our faith. So therefore, Catholic education is both victim and sometimes perpetrator of the threats, of threats to religious freedom, but it is also a necessary and primary solution for the church in facing the challenges of secularism. Catholic education, when done rightly, 
is that apostolate of the church that seeks and communicates truth in the light of faith. According to Ex Corde Ecclesiae, Catholic educators serve the church and the society and fulfill their mission to teach the whole truth about nature, man, and God. And in the case of colleges and universities, to engage in research so that the united endeavor of intelligence and faith will enable people to come to the full measure of their humanity, created in the image and likeness of God, renewed even more marvelously after sin in Christ, and called to shine forth in the light of the Spirit. The Vatican Congregation for Catholic Education has taught that Catholic education is a privileged means of promoting the formation of man and an instrument of evangelization, which is the church's mission in this world. Pope Francis has said that education is, quote, key, key, key to evangelization. Pope Benedict said that Catholic education is an essential resource for the new evangelization, while cautioning that Catholic colleges especially need to reaffirm their distinctive identity in fidelity to their founding ideals and the church's mission in service to the gospel. St. John Paul II said, in the overall work of the new evangelization, the educational sector occupies a place of honor. At a time when the new evangelization is focused on casting its nets wide, but often shallow, we should also consider the depth of the integral formation that Catholic education provides ensuring a deep commitment to the faith and the more complete preparation of our young people for sainthood in a difficult and often hostile culture. Catholic education, then, is itself an appropriate and necessary response to the contemporary crises of truth and faith that have contributed to a secularized culture and weakened the church's defense of her institutions, their contributions to society, and their self-determination in religious matters. Nothing short of a substantially increased effort to educate Catholics and others in American society may be sufficient to protect against the dangers of a culture that is rapidly becoming what blessed John Henry Newman warned would be simply irreligious. The seriousness of the threats to the church invites vigorous efforts by Catholic educators to fulfill their mission in ways intended to avert the threats, change society, and renew fidelity within the Catholic Church. According to the mission of Catholic education, which requires authentic teaching and witness to the truth, the Catholic educator's response to violations of religious freedom should be characterized by resistance and public witness to the faith and the integrity of Catholic education and not by compliance and silence. Catholic educators cannot rely simply on legal and public policy efforts to preserve their institutions. Even if the church and her allies successfully fend off the current threats to religious organizations in the courts or in the legislatures, the underlying crises of truth and faith are likely to persist laying the groundwork for new violations of our natural and our constitutional freedoms. Moreover, Catholic educators must not be tempted into silent compliance, 
even if they are able to identify moral and legal options for operating under government coercion. Catholic educators must never concede their rights in a free society, and they should use every available means within their competency and their mission to oppose violations to religious freedom, and to do so with apparent conviction and fervor. Any action or commitment of the Catholic educator must avoid the risk of scandal, and even more, should have the intention and effect of teaching truth by explanation and by example. So how specifically can Catholic educators respond to the threats to religious freedom? I propose that they respond precisely by fulfilling the mission of Catholic education, perhaps with greater attention to its impact on society and its engagement with secularism. Today, American Catholic educators have the opportunity and the obligation to respond to violations of religious freedom by more fully living their vocation to teach, to study, to witness to the faith, to promote Catholic education, to defend its autonomy, and to collaborate with others in each of these tasks. So I'd like to go through each of those quickly and uh, identify uh, some of the ways in which Catholic education can, again, to respond to uh, threats to religious freedom. The duty of the Catholic educator is to teach. Catholic education forms students intellectually and in the faith and prepares them both for service to society and for lifelong witness to the faith. In each respect, Catholic educators can fulfill their mission in ways that respond to violations of religious freedom and their root causes. A Catholic educator's objective is to educate the student, to form the student intellectually and in relationship to God. According to the 1977 Vatican document, The Catholic School, Catholic education's task is fundamentally a synthesis of culture and faith, and also of faith and life. The first is reached by integrating all the different aspects of human knowledge through the subjects taught in the light of the gospel, and the second in the growth of the virtues characteristic of the Christian. The Catholic college or university continues this formation. Ex Corde Ecclesiae says that students are invited to participate in a continuing reflection in the light of the Catholic faith upon the growing treasury of human knowledge. Their education combines academic and professional development with formation in religious and moral principles and the social teachings of the church. Catholic education has not only an inward concern for the student's own development, but also an outward concern for society and its evangelization. In the Vatican II Declaration Gravissimum Educationis, for which we celebrate the 50th anniversary this year, Catholic education aspires that students learn not only how to bear witness to the hope that is in them, but also how to help in the Christian formation of the world that takes place when natural powers viewed in the full consideration of man redeemed by Christ contribute to the good of the whole society. And Ex Corda Ecclesiae demands that graduates should be prepared to devote themselves to the service of society and the church, but at the same time be prepared to give witness of the faith to the world. Catholic education can respond to violations of religious freedom by better ensuring that future generations of Americans know God, know the Catholic faith, 
and are capable of defending the faith and religious freedom. This is simply fulfilling the teaching mission of Catholic education, already embraced by faithfully Catholic schools, colleges, and universities. But where is the evidence that students today are graduating with adequate knowledge of the faith and are living in fidelity to the church's moral and social teachings? If Christian formation is the heart of Catholic education, it should also be the central focus of student outcomes measurements and periodic assessments to better ensure the results that we promise, followed by intensified efforts to improve those results. This is a challenge even to the most faithful Catholic colleges, which need better instruments to document their degree of success in the formation to which they are clearly committed. Do all of our Catholic schools, colleges, and universities put at least as much emphasis, emphasis on Christian formation as on academic achievement and preparation? Is this reflected in our standards, in our curricula, in our course plans, our choice of textbooks, extracurricular programs, and our policies? In our teachers and our hiring priorities? In our celebration of the sacraments, prayer, sacramental preparation, and other activities? Are opportunities for formation simply available to students, or are they integral to the student experience, with due respect for freedom of conscience? Especially on, on college campuses, is there an implicit rel relativism that suggests a false equality between Christian formation and participation with other religions? This, of course, most of that has no relation to, you know, to what goes on at uh, Franciscan University, but these are questions that will be more broadly addressed to Catholic higher education generally. With particular relevance to contemporary culture, a Catholic education in partnership with parents forms young people in sexual purity and provides understanding of the church's teaching with regard to sexuality, marriage, human dignity, and the sanctity of human life. Today, these truths are distorted and even attacked in American society, encouraging sympathy for laws that offend morality and violate the rights of Catholic institutions to uphold Catholic teachings. Do the graduates of Catholic education embrace sexual morality and the true nature of marriage counter to contemporary American culture? Do they embrace the te church's teaching on the sanctity of human life and the dignity of the human person? Note that these are more than questions of institutional commitment to the faith. They require commitment to achieving outcomes and the promise of a sure formation of students. How then does Catholic education make the further claim to prepare students for evangelization, to give witness of their faith in the world? The objective requires inspiration and skills preparation that are largely absent from most Catholic school, college, and university programs of study. This requires attention. Beyond teaching students, the extraordinary challenges facing Catholic education today should inspire educators to teach others in the church and community, thereby confronting the ignorance that feeds violations of religious freedom. Although this outreach beyond the school or college community is not anticipated in church documents on education, the church does value the benefits of Catholic education for both the student's formation and the common good of societies.
According to Ex Corte Ecclesiae, the Catholic College or University is committed to dialogue with culture and to be an effective instrument of cultural progress for individuals as well as for society. Catholic educators should consider ways of making their teaching available to ever-widening audiences, including non-Catholics. The Church's efforts to make use of new technologies and methods of communication suggest ways that Catholic educators can share their teaching with society without significant distraction from the priority of teaching students. Professors and teachers can be held out to news media as experts, providing a Catholic perspective when possible. They can be publicly visible as bloggers and columnists, television and radio guests, and speakers at public events. They can share classroom materials and even videos in all subjects to help adult Catholics and others learn what, has been, what is presented to students, especially with regard to the integration of the faith. The secularization of American society invites Catholic educators to more vigorously seek ways of using their expertise for catechesis and evangelization in the community. New apostolates or associations of educators joined together for this purpose would be an effective and valuable service to the church and society. The uh, second category was regard to study, which basically means uh, research and publication. In addition to teaching, Catholic college educators often make important contributions by their research and publications. Despite observations that the West has already entered a post-Christian age, we are reminded of the hope expressed by St. John Paul II in Ex Corte Ecclesiae, that Catholic universities around the world are for me, this uh, quote uh, from Ex Corte, are for me a lively and promising sign of the fecundity of the Christian mind in the heart of every culture. They give me a well-founded hope for a new flowering of Christian culture in the rich and varied context of our changing times, which certainly face serious challenges, but which also bear so much promise under the action of the spirit of truth and love." Unquote. Ex Corte Ecclesiae places special emphasis on the role of research in the Catholic University to help discern and evaluate both the aspirations and the contradictions of modern culture in order to make it more suited to the total development of individuals and peoples. Uh, again, a quote from Ex Corte. University research will seek to discover the roots and causes of the serious problems of our time, paying special attention to their ethical and their religious dimensions. If need be, a Catholic university must have the courage to speak uncomfortable truths which do not please public opinion, but which are necessary to safeguard the authentic good of society. A specific priority is the need to examine the predominant values and norms of modern society and culture in a Christian perspective, and the responsibility to try to communicate to society those ethical and religious principles which give full meaning to human life. Unquote. Catholic educators, especially in Catholic higher education, could support the church's response to violations of religious freedom and its root causes by engaging in a variety of research and writing projects. Already, some of the best arguments for religious freedom and its legal defense have come out of universities, including some Catholic instit institutions. Much more can be done to marshal college and university resources 
the most precious of which is the expertise of its faculty members, to provide intellectual support, gather valuable information, and analyze the strategies and activities of the church's many apostolates. In particular, the violations of religious freedom impel Catholic educators to place priority on research that directly supports efforts to defend the church's institutions or addresses the needs of apostolates and ministries that are focused on the issues central to most of the violations. Uh, again, sexuality and gender, marriage, the sacredness of human life, and human dignity. While much valuable research has already been provided by professors in Catholic colleges and universities, it cannot be said that their faculties are, as a whole, committed to this work as the times require. In his First Things article a few months ago, proposing various preparations for the 2015 Synod on the Family, George Weigel provided an example of the myriad ways that scholars could provide valuable support for the church's mission. He wrote, quote, more data should be brought forward, and it is abundantly available to demonstrate that the church's idea of permanent and fruitful marriage, like the church's teaching on the appropriate means of reg regulating fertility, makes for happier marriages, happier families, happier children, and more benevolent societies than does the deconstruction of marriage and the family that is inundating the West like a tsunami. In teaching the truth about marriage, about love, and about the complementary of the complementarity of the sexes, the Catholic Church is proposing the path to happiness and human flourishing, not the road to repression and misery. It should make a bold, data-driven case in defense of that teaching, which is a defense of the dignity of the human person." Unquote. I submit that it is this sort of bold, data-driven research and argument that is needed from Catholic scholars to address not only the issues concerning marriage, but all the issues that feed cultural disdain for the Catholic Church and violations of our religious freedom. Uh, third, Catholic educators are called to be witnesses to the faith. Catholic education, by definition, assumes fidelity to the magisterium of the Church. According to canon law, the instruction and education in a Catholic school must be grounded in the principles of Catholic doctrine. Ex Cordia Ecclesiae requires that a Catholic college or university informs and carries out its research, teaching, and all other activities with Catholic ideals, principles, and attitudes. Catholic teaching and discipline are to influence all university activities, while the freedom and conscience of each person is to be fully respected. Any official action or commitment of the university is to be in accord with its Catholic identity." Unquote. Such fidelity depends most heavily on the witness of the educators themselves. In schools, says the canon law, teachers are to be outstanding in correct doctrine and integrity of life. In colleges and universities, Ex Cordia Ecclesiae requires that all Catholic teachers are to be faithful to and all teachers are to respect Catholic doctrine and morals in their research and teaching. There is great value to the church and to the society in the very example of Catholic educators who remain steadfastly committed to Christian formation in complete fidelity to the magisterium of the church, especially when such formation defies government threats and laws violating religious freedom. 
Such educators provide an important public witness to the authentic purpose and value of Catholic schools, colleges, and universities. Such witness creates opportunities to explain and demonstrate to policymakers and the American public why many Catholic institutions are unwilling to compromise their fidelity to Catholic teaching when faced with government coercion. This witness is all the more important amid the current crisis of Catholic identity within Catholic education. Many institutions today fail in significant and public ways to uphold their mission, thereby promoting confusion and doubt regarding the necessity of freedoms that protect religious education. By contrast, faithfully Catholic schools, colleges, and universities can be effective and much-needed models of Catholic education within the church and society, demonstrating why religious freedom remains valuable and necessary to protecting their integrity. There have been substantial efforts in recent decades to strengthen the Catholic identity of schools, colleges, and universities. Also, to establish new lay directed schools and colleges that are often extraordinary in the formation that's provided to students. But the present threats increase the urgency for such efforts. The, viol the, the church is in great need of their witness and their courage to stand against violations of religious freedom to protect the integrity of Catholic education. Those institutions that do so may be weakened financially and in their ability to compete for students and employees. The church should not abandon them to that fate, but should substantially increase support for such institutions in recognition of their great importance and with gratitude for their example. Uh, fourth, regarding promoting and defending Catholic education. Inherently connected to the mission of the Catholic educator is the obligation to explain and when necessary to defend that mission. Catholic educators provide a vital service not only to the church, but as Pope Benedict said to American educators in 2008, they truly serve society. The benefits to both church and society need to be proclaimed loudly in defense against the threats to educators' ability to provide authentic Catholic teaching and formation. Catholic educators should appeal to the church for her public witness to the value of education but primary responsibility rests upon Catholic educators themselves to more convincingly argue their place in the church and society and to celebrate their contributions. Within the church, not only does Catholic education suffer from declining enrollment and financial hardship in elementary and secondary schools, but there appears to be declining appreciation for the unique benefits of Catholic education at all levels. This is greatly exacerbated by the crisis of Catholic identity in Catholic education, with many Catholics no longer aware of the significant impact that an authentic Catholic education can have for a young person. A vigorous defense of traditional Catholic education and proposals for its renewal are urgently needed. But Catholic educators can also do much to help Catholics better understand and appreciate what they do and why it has such great importance for the Christian formation of young Catholics. In addition, the case must be made more convincingly for the rights of Catholic educators amid the pluralism of American society. Again, citing the Vatican document, The Catholic School, quote, 
The church upholds the principle of a plurality of school systems in order to safeguard her objectives in the face of cultural pluralism. In other words, she encourages the coexistence and if possible the cooperation of diverse educational institutions which will allow young people to be formed by value judgments based on a specific view of the world and to be trained to take an active part in the construction of a community through which the building of society itself is promoted. Thus, while policies and opportunities differ from place to place, the Catholic school has its place in any national school system. By offering such an alternative, the church wishes to respond to the obvious need for cooperation in a society that is characterized by cultural pluralism. In fact, as the state increasingly takes control of education and establishes its own so-called neutral and monolithic system, the survival of those natural communities based on a shared concept of life is threatened. Faced with this situation, the Catholic school offers an alternative which is in conformity with the wishes of the members of the community of the church." Unquote. Uh, that was a rather long citation, but I think it's, it's quite relevant to our situation today. Included in this is a defense of the rights of parents in a free society to direct the education of their children and to choose authentic Catholic education that is not compromised by government mandate. <coughs> the place of Catholic colleges and universities in America, in American society, must also be vigorously promoted and defended. According to Ex Corde Ecclesiae, Catholic universities join other private and public institutions in serving the public interest through higher education and research. They are one among the variety of different types of institutions that are necessary for the free expression of cultural diversity, and they are committed to the promotion of solidarity and its meaning in society and the world. Therefore, they have the full right to expect that civil society and public authorities will recognize and defend their institutional autonomy and academic freedom." Unquote. Final point on collaboration. In all of this, the Catholic educator is united with the church and invited to increase the effect, I'm sorry, uh, is united with the church and others who seek the common good. Collaboration should be desired and invited to increase the effect of the educator's efforts and to promote Christian unity and charity. The Code of Canon Law states that the church's bishops have the duty of arranging everything so that all the faithful have a Catholic education, to establish and direct schools, to consent to the use of the label Catholic, and to watch over and regulate Catholic education. In higher education, according to Ex Corde Ecclesiae, bishops have a particular responsibility to promote Catholic universities, and especially to promote and assist in the preservation and strengthening of their Catholic identity, including the protection of their Catholic identity in relation to civil authorities. This will be achieved more effectively if close personal and pastoral relationships exist between university and church authorities, characterized by mutual trust, close and consistent cooperation, and continuing dialogue." Unquote. 
Collaboration to promote and defend Catholic education is an important expression of the close relationship between Catholic educators and their bishops. Catholic educators should communicate frequently with their bishops to ensure the church's guidance and to ensure support for their protection and mission. The church should expect educators' vigorous defense of that mission. And educators who courageously engage in self-defense should also expect the full support and assistance of their bishops. Canon law also calls on the Christian faithful to foster Catholic schools, assisting in their establishment and maintenance according to their means, and to strive so that in civil society the laws which regulate the formation of youth also provide for their religious and moral education in the schools themselves, according to the conscience of the parents. Also, the entire ecclesial community is invited to give its support to Catholic institutions of higher education and in a special way to guard the rights and freedoms of those institutions in civil society. Partnerships with Catholic laity and Catholic apostolates, then, are to be encouraged when confronting violations of religious freedom. Those apostolates that are independently engaged in such efforts should be encouraged to recognize the high priority of preserving faithful Catholic education and supporting its mission as itself necessary to the protection of the rights of the church. In fulfilling their mission, Catholic educators should look especially to other Catholic educators and schools, colleges, and universities for mutual support. There's a great need for unity and a shared response to government aggression. Ex Corte Ecclesiae prescribes collaboration among Catholic scholars as imperative in university research, emphasizing various national and international associations. If existing structures for scholars and institutions do not sufficiently provide the mission-centered support and assistance that is needed for research and communication with the government, with American bishops, and with the Vatican, then the times may call for new associations to meet those needs. Finally, Catholic educators should look to the shared experience and collaboration of scholars and leaders from other religions. In particular, Catholic and other Christian educators may share common concerns, and the latter's commitment to Christian formation is often very similar to that of the most faithful Catholic colleges, schools, and universities. The Cardinal Newman Society has had much fruitful collaboration, especially with evangelical educators who share most of our concerns about threats to religious freedom. Cooperation with associations of Christian scholars, schools, colleges, and universities would prove valuable, I'm certain. In conclusion, I believe that the value of Catholic education is reason enough for a vigorous defense and efforts to preserve it when confronted by government violations of religious freedom. But survival alone, if it means silent acquiescence to the law, is insufficient, for it would so compromise the mission of Catholic education that it surely would not survive in any authentic form. That's because the very mission of Catholic education requires assent to the truth and to God the fount of truth in its, all of its activities. That calls for so much more than quiet compliance with laws that conflict with Catholic morality. Any government coercion that would compromise Catholic education 
must be resisted according to the methods and the competencies of Catholic educators in collaboration with each other, with the Church and her allies. More than ever, the urgency of the times invites Catholic educators to courageously witness to the faith and to the great value of Catholic education. Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.